we proclaim Christ crucified. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last weekend, three of us from All Saints were at a conference at St. Paul's Episcopal Church, San Rafael, California. This conference had been a dream of my friend Christopher Martin for a few years, ever since he gathered a handful of us over six years ago to begin the Restoration Project, which exists to help parishes provide the structures necessary to help each one of us grow into mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Here at All Saints, you know the Restoration Project through the basics courses that I teach and through the couple of discipleship groups that have existed here from time to time and that we hope to grow. Well, last weekend, about 80 of us from all over the country gathered to learn more about the project and to experience the epicenter of this work at a parish that has been intensively and intentionally helping parishioners mature as followers of Christ. Father Martin spoke about each of the disciplines, weekly worship, daily prayer, weekly service with the poor, growing towards the tithe, regular scripture study, discerning where God is calling you in your life now and allowing a small discipleship group support and challenge you in your faith life. We met in discipleship groups for the weekend and we got to meet with the parishioners of St. Paul's who are very, very deep spiritually, clearly steeped in prayer and befriending those on the margins in the most powerful ways. That shows through much of the outreach they do, their ministries. They have a thriving ministry of visiting men on death row in San Quentin. They have developed a breakfast program, and now they are in the process of building housing for teen moms and their children. But I think the real evidence of their spiritual depth was in how they treated one another in small ways all throughout the weekend. But I was struck in particular by two examples that occurred during our Mass. It was Sunday morning, all were gathered at St. Paul's, and as we were worshiping, as we were going up for Eucharist, we were in a traditional church, one of those carpenter Gothic churches that has a step, just as we do, and then there's a rude screen, and then the altar is just where our altar is too, but their altar, their communion rail is up closer to the altar. So people have to step up in order to take communion. There were two ushers at the front, and I noticed one was on the floor and one was on the step on either side 
And I watched, my favorite thing to do, watching people go up to communion, and I watched as they helped anyone who struggled with that step get up into the chancel. And then I watched as they helped them down. It was gentle, it was unobtrusive, it was loving. And then at the end of Mass, I noticed that someone was coming forward with a young man in a wheelchair. And I thought, oh, how's this gonna work? And he got to the step. This was not a young man who was pushing the wheelchair, by the way. He turned around and he bumped the chair up into the chancel, turned the chair around so this young man could have communion, and afterwards reversed the process. Now I wondered, why didn't they just bring communion down to him? But I talked to the man afterwards, and he said, first of all, this was not his son. It was just someone he had befriended, and that he wanted to feel part of the communion by coming up to the rail. Beautiful examples of love. Now some of those who came to the conference have also been doing this deep work for a long time and are also spiritual exemplars. I was glad to see a good friend of mine who loves Jesus and lives that out in really powerful ways. He's always in the news and getting into trouble because he's protesting for the marginalized and the poor. As a rector in Pasadena, he loves Jesus and he takes up his cross by befriending and walking with immigrants, a clearly vulnerable population, especially now. While we were together at the conference last weekend, he talked about all of the protests that he'd been involved in lately and how ineffective he thinks they are because they're way too tame. He lamented that organizers were always giving their marching routes to the police before the march so that the police ended up as de facto escorts and no one was made uncomfortable enough to change the status quo. Recently, one of those marches ended up at the local jail where they hold immigrants. While there, they saw scores of people being marched out of the jail and onto buses to be deported. The marchers yelled, you are not alone. No estas solo. You are not alone. But my friend said, what we should have done is get on the buses with them. That's true solidarity, true friendship, true love. If we want them to know that they are not alone, we should have put our bodies on the line too. We should have gotten on the buses with them. How are we? to live together? How do we care for one another in community? We who believe the message of the cross, we who proclaim Christ crucified. It is a question we must ask, and it's a question that's as ancient as St. Paul in, and the church that he founded in Corinth. Paul writes two letters to the church after he hears that the community is having troubles. 
He's received questions from them about some theological and liturgical bothers. Is the resurrection real? And if so, how exactly does that work? How should people use their spiritual gifts, especially speaking in tongues, they wonder? But what Paul is really addressing in his question is not so much the theological questions, but the communal ones. Not questions of belief, but of behavior. For he has heard that there have been serious conflicts in the community. Some have been rushing to the Lord's table, leaving the poor behind. People have filed lawsuits against one another. Some who imagine themselves more sophisticated and wise are scandalizing the humble faithful by visiting prostitutes and engaging in other licentious behavior and by eating food that has been dedicated to idols in the local temple. In this letter to the Corinthians, the one that includes that beautiful hymn to love, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In this letter, it is not right doctrine that concerns Paul. It is the Corinthians' failure to love one another that concerns him. Now, it's no surprise that the Corinthians are struggling, for Paul has taken a great diversity of people and helped them form a church. But Corinth was an outpost of the Roman Empire. It had been destroyed and then rebuilt as a colony to which the Roman 1% sent those they didn't want around anymore, freed slaves displaced peasants. The Corinthian church includes these folks along with the wealthy and the educated, along with those wise folks who have brought their social values and prejudices right into the church with them, treating the poor as less than rather than as friends, rather than as beloved members of the body of Christ. But in this letter, Paul does not shame the community. He doesn't declare class warfare. What he does do is remind them of the foolishness of the cross. God has used what is foolish, a closer translation is actually moronic, God has used what is foolish to the world, what is the most shameful thing, what is weakest in the eyes of society, death on a cross to debunk the world's system. A world where social hierarchy, privilege for the few, divisions among us are the norm. God used the most scandalous means possible to, sh to shake us out of our inertia to save the world. There's nothing upper class or elite about the cross. 
There is nothing about it that raises one's status in the world. Christ crucified is an entirely different way to see and exist in the world. It is a stumbling block to the foolish to some, but to those who are called, it is the power and the wisdom of God. The people in the Corinthian church, all of them, have accepted and believed in the scandal, the foolishness of the cross. They believe it, but they are not living it. They accept the weakness of the cross, but mock the weakness of their friends in Christ, Christ who are poor and weak in the world. They continue to choose the wisdom of the world rather than the foolishness of the cross. Those of us, those of us who believe that God's power was made perfect in the weakness of Christ on the cross are called to love and care for one another differently than the world teaches us. Out there, we might be rich or middle class or working class or poor. Out there, we might be male or female or gender non-conforming or non-binary. We might be healthy and physically fit out there or our bodies might not work the way that we wish that they would. We might have PhDs out there or we might have struggled in church, in school. But in here, in here, in this body of Christ, We are siblings, we are family, we are friends, we are beloved. In here, we care more for the other, we care more for the other than for ourselves. Seeking the good for another before we seek the good for ourselves, even if we believe, even if we're certain that we're right even if we're sure that we're so sophisticated and so smart that we don't have to follow all the rules. For what matters more than what we know is how we love. True solidarity, true friendship, true love is putting our lives on the line for one another with one another. First, we do this with our beloved in Christ, our body of Christ right here at 16th and Central All Saints. We practice giving up our own rights so that another might never be harmed or diminished. We practice giving up our own rights so that another may never be harmed or diminished. Then, when we practice that, and we're getting pretty good, we can go out into the world following the foolishness of the cross in solidarity with those marginalized in the world. And we'll join them on the bus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.